Welcome back to I Have to Ask with Elizabeth Hess, part of the Champagne Showers Podcast Network. Today's guest is President and CEO of the Eastern Illinois Food Bank, Jim Hires. Thank you so much for joining me today, Jim. Well, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. Before we get into the sad statistics of food insecurity right now, let's talk about you. You've had the most interesting path to get where you are from the military, a career in education. Walk us through your history. Oh, my. Well, my history is very varied, and it's been a wonderful ride. I don't know how interested people would be, but I started out, graduated from college, and became a social worker in East St. Louis, Illinois. And from a small town in Central Illinois, it was a transition. Let me tell you, it was a wonderful experience. I was there six months and got drafted into the military during the Vietnam War and spent three years in the military and got out as an officer. So I stayed in the National Guard and Reserve for a number of years. In between all that, I got a master's degree in, in education and served as a guidance counselor and then a school administrator for a number of years. I got interested in educational software, left the uh, educational field to go to work for an educational software firm. Started my own distribution firm for a time and then got into consulting. Consulting led me into meeting a lot of people in marketing and strategy, which led me into uh, cable television. And I worked in cable TV for a long, long time as an executive. And I retired to come to East Illinois to run the food bank. When I was in the cable systems in Chicago, I uh, got involved with the Northern Illinois Food Bank as a volunteer ended up on their board of directors, ended up being the board chair-elect, and then I moved to Ohio, and I decided at that time, if I ever had the opportunity, I wanted to run my own food bank. And lo and behold, I got that opportunity. And we are so lucky to have you in this community. Now, we hear a lot about hunger, but the phrase food insecurity is the most commonly used phrase. What is the difference? Well, hunger and food insecurity are two different things. Hunger is more associated with starvation. If you see visions of uh, swarm bellies and those kinds of things you see in uh, some of the parts of, of the world that have very little of any food. Food insecurity is not necessarily knowing where your next meal was going to come from or struggling to put food on the table based on income, uh, obligations. Example I often use are elderly people who have high medical costs and low income. They have to make a decision whether they're going to eat or pay for their medicine or utilities. And families often have struggle because income doesn't stretch to pay rent, pay medical costs, school costs, and then have food. So if you miss a meal or don't know where one's coming from at a, for a period of time, through no fault of your own, you didn't select to do that, that's called food insecurity. Has the Eastern Illinois Food Bank increased the number of counties that you serve since the COVID-19 outbreak started? No, we still serve the same number of counties. We, we directly serve 18 counties, and then we have administrative oversight of another food bank in the Peoria area. And you work with food pantries, soup kitchens, snack programs, and shelters. So it's not just the image that people have when they hear food pantry of someone driving up or walking up and being handed a bag. You distribute the food and then they distribute it. Is that correct? We put the food in the food pantry and the soup in the soup kitchen, we like to say, and hope in people's lives. We don't serve clients directly, or we didn't until things got a little worse. And now we're doing a lot of our own uh, distribution because of the growth in the, in the need in the last several months, and probably the fact we'll be doing this for a long time because this is not going to go away. We will be changing how we've operated as a result of this pandemic and the effects 
even when people get back to work, it's going to take a long time for them to recover. Tell me about some of the people working for you. Well, I say in what we do, we have no equal. I'm convinced of that every day. I have a tremendous staff and very dedicated. We have approximately 31 people who believe in what we do. When you come to the food bank, if you've had no experience before long, you're a food banker. Because at the end of the day, somebody gets to eat because of what we do. With that labor of love, we've solved a lot of problems. Logistically, it's a nightmare to cover you know, almost 18,000 square miles with trucks and delivering food and having food picked up and even acquiring the food, sorting the food, packaging the food when necessary. But we've got it down pretty well, and we're pretty good at what we do. The fact is right now, we've not been overwhelmed yet. We've been strained. And I think we're not overwhelmed because we're getting so much help from the communities that we serve, so much help from volunteers and people supporting the food bank with their time and with their monetary donations. Now, in doing my research for this sit-down, I came across the staggering stat that one in eight people struggles with hunger, one in six children struggle with hunger. So this is not just a big city problem. This is happening right here. Have these numbers been this high for decades, or has this been a recently worsening reality? Well, actually, they were a little worse until the one in eight is an improvement. But it's going to go because we thought we were, you know, things were had started to improve in the economy and when people had jobs. But that changed in January and February. So those numbers are going to go, they're really going to go up to like one in seven, one in six, whatever. We don't know where it's going to end. Ironically, we've had this problem for years and years and years. The poverty level that is measured is there are more people getting out of poverty than they have in the past. The problem is we're just moving them from poverty to being poor. And poor people still have the same kinds of issues. There's an ancient Chinese proverb that says, if you have food on your table, you have lots of problems. If there's no food on the table, you only have one problem. And that's what we deal with. I know it's hard to picture holding a banquet of any size at all right now, but last fall, the Eastern Illinois Food Bank held a recognition event for the agency's community partners. You honored, among others, a food donor of the year, a business partner, a community partner. You gave out Mission Impact Awards. What makes certain volunteers or donors stand out among the rest? We recognize all of our donors one way or the other because we don't survive. We are a community food bank. It's not the East Illinois Food Bank. It's the community's food bank. I am fortunate and my board is fortunate that we get to represent you and the residents of our 18 counties in their fight against hunger. So that being said, oftentimes individuals show up in a manner that's very, very demonstrative of that commitment. We've honored with Impact Awards a youngster as young as eight who did did food drives consecutively over two or three years. And people in the community that volunteer unbelievable number of hours. We have well over 2,000 registered volunteers. And I think that, that number may be really growing quickly now. At any given day, we have the equivalent of five to six full-time employees working in our facility through the volunteer system. The same way with people who show up at our mobile food pantries to assist us it is a community effort. Our partners of the year, we recognize those who in a given year just stepped up a little bit beyond either what they've done in the past or to fulfill, push our mission to a new level. We love doing that. And it's, it's got, it gets a lot of play. It's a great event. And we just started this last year, two years ago now, recognizing a lifetime donor of the year. And the individuals we select are 
those people who financially have supported us in a major way for a very long time and have made a very, very big difference. Because I think you and I both know that I've often said that for every dollar we get, we can provide five meal equivalents. How are you able to stretch that dollar? I know that it's better to give you money than to drop food off because you can stretch it. Can you walk us through the process of how you do stretch that? Well, we belong to a network of 200 food banks across the country called Feed America. Feed America is an umbrella organization. You've seen their ads on TV a lot, major corporations donating parts of their their revenue, particularly food services and uh, restaurants. They help the 200 food banks acquire food, give grants, et cetera, so we can fulfill our mission. Every county in the United States, I think except one in northern Alaska, <laughs> it's hard to reach, is covered by a Feed America food bank. And we've been in here for this, I think, our 38th year, probably, as a food bank. Using that, we leverage that. So we trade food with other food banks. We get the USDA commodity program to the USDA and any other program right now. They're very, very generous because of the prices of crops and the fact we had the trade embargo. And then, of course, we purchase food. We get it a little north of wholesale. But one of our biggest things is our retail pickup program. We partner with all the major groceries and suppliers, and we pick up excess that they have on a regular basis. Now, it used to be 50% of the food came from corporations and grocery stores, and the other half came from individuals and group donations of food and money. Is that still the case? Money is a different kind of thing. But food... 47 to 50% of it comes from food manufacturers and retail. Food manufacturers are getting much, much better at not having overages because of their practices. So we still have to rely on unbought food from retailers. And our rescue program has gotten much better. I remember when I came here 15 years ago, we were throwing out about 13% of all the food we got, particularly fresh food, because there was no way to move it, no way to store it, and it came to us in not really good condition. Now we've got that down to maybe two to three percent, and we are doing almost close to twenty percent of the food we give out is fresh produce or uh, perishable foods, which is really, really a big, big growth for us. I'm glad you brought that up because you received a grant last year to help enable you to increase cold storage capacity by six hundred square feet. Why is this grant to increase that kind of storage so important? Go to your own grocery store. Years ago. There were five, six aisles of canned goods, jars, et cetera, et cetera. You go to a supermarket now, there may be three or four. And everything is on the outside edge. Our produce, lots and lots more produce, lots of protein, lots of dairy, lots of fresh, and lots of frozen. As that changed, we had to change. And now we see that even growing more and more and more because even now the federal government is getting involved with what's called TFAP, the federal emergency food program, probably known as the commodity program. A lot more of their food is now fresher food and sometimes frozen. So we've had to make that change. Are you nervous about the supply chain cutting off to you as we hear about COVID outbreaks in some of the plants? No, not really. I think that protein is always hard to get. Regardless, protein is, when I say protein, I'm talking about meat protein. We use other forms of protein, you know, the legumes and beans, things like that. I don't think we're really, really concerned at this point. I think that our biggest concern is the fact that our facility is approximately 39,000 square feet. We had just designed a uh, plan to increase that by about 50%. And with with the uh, COVID-19 
push and an increase of almost 30% of people in a short amount of time, it pointed out that, gee, we should have started building that thing a couple of years ago because uh, we are really stretched every day. Fortunately, I've got a great group of drivers and a great system to get food out to our, our pantries. You once said, if you put food in the pantry, you put life in people. Do you get that level of urgency from our local elected officials? Do you think the problem gets enough attention at the national level as well? I think it does now. I think it always has. I work on a national committee called the Public Engagement Advisory Committee, PEAK, and I work with about 22 other individuals from food banks around the country. And we help form the policies and recommendations to the national group of food banks across America. I spend time in D.C. I spend time in Springfield. Since I'm only one of 22, we we try to represent people around the United States, one of our political wonks. And secondly, that understand that policymakers and uh, change people have to know what's going on. Very, very fortunate that everybody eats. How do you manage to keep politics out of your job in that sense? You go to Washington. How do you stay apolitical, Jim? Hunger is apolitical. It's not a political issue. And what we do is we recognize that everybody who has an interest in, in fighting hunger has an interest for one particular or two particular reasons. We can get down to the statistics even more almost by the street level with census tracking. When I visit congressional delegations, I have the information about the congressional district, their state, and said, this is how many hungry people you have in your district. And if you're comfortable with that, that's fine. If you're not, then let's work together. I get a great deal of respect from the people that I work with in, in Washington and Springfield for this problem because these are their constituents. And we can point to those statistics in those areas. There's not a county in Illinois that's not covered by a food bank. And we have a very, very active organization called Feed Illinois, I believe it or not, Feed America, Feed Illinois. And we do a great deal of work in Springfield. We have a whole group of team that does that. Myself and some other people are responsible for their work in Washington. And then I'm responsible at the national level for some things. I have to ask, and I don't expect you to answer, but are food bank lines and requests better or worse when a Democrat is in the White House? The lines don't change. To deal with, with people in the political arena, you deal with the people who are the policymakers and the trend makers. Nobody wants to see anybody hungry or in food insecure. There are people who see the path of that differently. And for example, I'll use SNAP as an example. SNAP is one of the best programs that's ever been placed forward. In the mid-1960s, we almost totally eradicated hunger in the United States due to food stamps. And I always say this without shame. My hero was Lyndon Johnson. Now, Lyndon Johnson started, you know, did a lot in the Vietnam War, but I, I'll tell you what, if it wasn't for Lyndon Johnson, I would not have had a degree and I would not have had an education because the war on poverty allowed myself and people from my part of the state that were from modest means to be able to go get to college and, and advance their, their lives. We are almost eradicated, and then we kind of got away from that. And now I think it's back in the forefront again, and I think we're doing more and more. And if COVID-19 has done anything, it's refreshed ourselves about what we owe to our neighbors and the communities and, the, and people we serve. 30 million people filed for unemployment, and not since the Great Depression have we had numbers like that. I think there's a wake-up call, and people are listening. The tone I'm hearing from all the people in D.C. that I've talked with 
is a little more conciliatory than it was several months ago. So I'm pleased about that. Sad it takes a pandemic and hard times to bring people together. But we need, as a, as a group of people, our job is to lift people up. That's what they get elected to do, lift people up. What is the best way to reach out to you, to donate to you? What's your website? Well, the best way is to go to our website, and we love that because you can get an unbelievable amount of information and know about us. To know us is to love us. And because I think, again, when you see it, you'll recognize a lot about the communities in our website. There's a thing, you click donate, there's a volunteer page. Check out the volunteer page as well as the donate. Check out the stories. We put stories of people on our website. I love to tell this story because I have a board member who at one time was a client. She is also a, a spokesman for the food bank and for other people. Terry was a SNAP recipient and went to pantries, and we were working with her. She got to speak to a panel of legislators, congressmen, Senator Durbin, some state legislators, when we held a press conference at our warehouse. And she made this statement, and it's resonated everywhere. She was a, a teacher's aide at the time in, in a public school, two kids, an Iraq war veteran, college graduate, just, just getting by with, her, with the challenges. Her comment was, this is a season in my life. Like any season, it will pass. I just need to get through this season. And that's what we do. Now, Terry went on to be on the Oprah Winfrey show. She got invited to do that because of that little speech and talk about food insecurity. She now finished a master's degree and she works at the University of Illinois and, and she's on our board of directors and just tremendous. That's it, the stories that we're here to help people get to. I'm so honored that you joined me today. Thank you for listening to I Have to Ask with Elizabeth Hess, part of the Champagne Showers Podcast Network. Jim Hires, thank you so much for your time today. And thank you, Elizabeth. Always good to talk with you. You know that.